Hello and welcome to the Jackcast, your Swansea City podcast. I'm Matt Brocco and I'm joined today by Steve and Carol. Hi, Steve. Morning. Well, we promised we'd uh, come back with a podcast, Steve, didn't we, when um, we had some news. So it's been a little bit of a quiet period. We thought, to be honest, though, that we may, um, may have done a podcast sooner. Uh, but the news, well, the lack of news really rumbled on and on and the rumours kept growing, but... Very little was coming out to the club, wasn't it? That I think for a lot of fans, not all fans, mind, some people did still choose to believe that there wasn't much going on and we were just all being a bit panicky. But I think a lot of fans, Steve, believed that there was something going on behind the scenes at this point. And uh, so it proved um, with uh, the announcement that Steve Cooper and the club have decided to part ways uh, by mutual termination of his contract. He had one year left, of course. Um First and foremost, let's get into it. Is, it. Does it come as a surprise to you? Um, I think the... Well, it's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it did drag on for so long. I mean, you look at... There's been speculation of him being linked with other jobs. Um, pre-season started and, you know, there was incredible silence, really, from from him. You always expect to hear something from a manager. I mean, a couple of players came in and um, obviously there was no real quotes from the manager on that. It took two whole weeks for the manager to give any sort of interview. Um, and then obviously a couple of days later, we had that Plymouth friendly where he did face the press. And he didn't really, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, how, how can I word it really? What he said didn't inspire me that he was staying. Like he, he didn't like pour cold water on the fact that, um, you know, on, on the speculation, it was just more a case of, well, I'm here at the moment uh, type of thing. And then obviously, we get the news the day after, and when you hear then that um, obviously the decision was made two weeks ago, then it, it sort of left me a bit flabbergasted, really, because that doesn't seem like a great way to run a football club. I mean, if you make the decision, then it needed dealing with very quickly and um, you know limping on for another couple of weeks. From my point of view, I, I don't think that's a great move. I don't know about you. Well, it's a complicated one, isn't it? Because I remember we were speaking about this at the time, and... Uh... And you expressed your shock um, at, at, the, at the fact that uh, Winter openly said that it was uh, something that had happened two weeks prior. But um, I guess we'll, we'll probably not hear the full story behind it. But you do wonder um, what exactly has gone on there. Of course, we've heard that Cooper's agreed to stay on so the, 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 the team get a pre-season. Obviously, they get the... They get their their fitness drills in and um, and things carry on whilst we are effectively managerless, um, which is which is nice in one way that that he's helped to create that stability and we haven't got this complete black hole of a period in the in the preseason program. But at the same time, you wonder what pre planning's gone into it because you can be sure that even the day after the playoff final, Stephen, perhaps even before the playoff final. When the rumours started coming out about Crystal Palace and then later about Fulham uh, and these links, these supposed interviews, um, that the, the ball was rolling then, really, from the club's court because those conversations with Cooper would have happened quite soon. They would have, you know, where's your interest? Where's your head? You know, are you wanting to talk to these clubs, etc.? And, um, and obviously then you speculate because you wonder then, well, how come we left in a position where Cooper's had to hang on for two weeks? So... Was it possible, and I know this is pure speculation on my part, but is it possible that someone like Michael Appleton was someone who interested the club uh, before we got that horrible news that he was fighting uh, 
you know, testicular cancer, which he's taking time out of football to deal with. So um, with that, you have to wonder something perhaps has gone on that has maybe rocked the boat a little bit from the Swans planning perspective, because um, it's uh, it's certainly an odd one, isn't it? You don't see it happen often that a manager just sit, is in situ because Cooper leaving, whilst it may surprise some people, surely those at the club knew this was happening quite a while ago. When you know when the talk about Palace and Fulham was happening, yeah, I I think they there must have been discussions behind the scenes for quite a while. I I think that it's almost a case of they they'd had a discussion and I think they were hoping that someone was going to come in. I think the club were thinking that and the, the manager was really it's just thinking it's probably a little bit like when Souza was here. I think you know there was like an uneasy relationship and. You know, the, an offer came in and we didn't stand in his way. And then we went down a different route. And I think that it, it looked like that could well happen with this situation. But then when the the Palace job, um, that went to Patrick Vieira, obviously there was the West Brom job. Valerian Ishmael took that. And then the last one was the Fulham job, which went to Marco Silva. And I think when, when that happened, really, I think all the jobs were taken. It was pretty obvious then that... You know, Cooper was either going to have to leave in the situation that he has done or was going to have to continue because nobody was going to be taking him. So I think reading between the lines, obviously, when they talk about that two weeks, that's what was then decided that he wasn't going to continue in the role. So they had to then make that um, decision, really, didn't they? But, I mean, they they should really have have moved uh, a little bit quicker, I, I think. I mean, hanging on for those couple of weeks, as I say, is not really... The ideal thing you can say, yeah, about this, you know, making sure we had a pre-season. But I think when Rogers came in, like I say, with the, once Suzer had left, we had a, a similar type of thing where I think Alan Curtis and Colin Pascoe maybe took training. I mean, we've got other coaches here. I mean, I mean, Alan Tate could have could have taken it. So, you know, I think it, the whole situation just isn't ideal at all, is it really? I mean, we've got two weeks to go now until the first game of the season. We don't have a manager. I mean, how is a manager meant to come in here and try to possibly change things in the short period of time? I mean, I always look back to when Graham Potter was given his full pre-season and we could see straight away that we wanted to play this nice style of football. And obviously what he'd been doing had, had worked. I mean, it wasn't like the finished article or anything, but he'd had enough time to implement ideas. And I think this man, whoever the next manager is, is um, going to find it quite tough. Really, He's going to be behind everybody else. So... We probably are going to end up starting the season slowly, but you could look at it the other way and say that if we kept Cooper, he didn't want to be here anymore and we weren't fostering yeah. Again, we were probably going to start slowly and then end up sacking him after 10 games. So It'd be worse if he'd, if he'd been sacked in November, you know, you know, scaremonger or whatever. But the idea of us changing managers mid-season, um, you're right, we have to manage expectations now, don't we, with the, with the fan base and realise that... Um, this isn't nothing is ever. I mean, look, Martinez came in mid-season to re, to replace Kenny Jacket, um, or, or or towards the latter part of the season at least. Um, and that wasn't a fix overnight. You know that there, there was a little bit of a grumbling in the stands, or a fair bit of grumbling in the stands early doors of Martinez's reign, uh, where people just couldn't see, you know, the bigger picture of what he was building. But of course, it does take time to get there. Um, we were. 
we benefited. And, and realistically, I mean, when you look back, we, we, we speak very highly of Graham Potter and, 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 and I think with, with justification, but it was really the latter end of the season under Graham Potter that Swans really came into, into fruition. Um, so I think those these things take time, don't they? And I can't expect John. Uh, I say we'll talk. We'll talk about John Eustace as a as a prospective new manager, which seems to be uh, all but signed at the moment. Um, in in a little while, but um, any new manager that to come in um, to to necessarily get us playing, you know, silky football again um, overnight, and perhaps, you know, it's not. It's going to be a little bit of a bumpy start, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, you would you would think so. I mean, the only precedent which. I can think of is the Sousa Rogers one, as I've as I've said, and I remember on that where I think Rogers came in. I think it was three weeks before the start of the season. We went to Hull on the opening day. I remember just thinking that we did look a little bit out of our depth. We just looked as if we were behind everybody else. But uh, you know, it was one of those where you, you don't really blame the manager in, in that instance. I mean, and everyone can have a poor game, but you just think that it, it did have an impact. But to be fair. Um, I remember the next game and we played Preston, we won 4-0 and then we went to Norwich and even though we lost, we gave him Aiden. So to be fair to Rogers there, he did manage to you know, mm. make an impact pretty quickly, even though the, the cards were stacked against him. But at the end of the day, we are talking about a top manager. Here. So, you know, it, it is going to be quite tough, I think. This this division is, isn't very forgiving, as we know. I mean, the, the schedule can be quite relentless. And, um, you know, you look at it in the first few weeks of the season, I mean, I think We've got five games in August. There's only two of them are at home, so it will be challenging. But at the same time, we've I think if a manager doesn't want to be here, then that that decision needed to be made as well. It's just that it should really have been sorted out long before now, and a new manager should have been in a good couple of weeks ago. I would say. Let's talk about the relationship then um, that Cooper had within the club. First of all, um, it appeared as though. A lot of the senior players liked him, although there's been a weird lack of comment from the club on the players since he's gone, which perhaps flies in the face of that uh, that, that comment that I've just made. Um, but um, particularly then, let's, let's say Andrea, who was always quick to go over and hug uh, Cooper and he scored or, you know, the Swans won. Um, but, but perhaps at boardroom level, not always as... Uh, as 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 warm and cosy as as perhaps previous regimes, Steve, because Cooper wasn't backwards in coming forwards, was he? In talking about the lack of support he may have got from boardroom level and um, you know holes he wanted to fill within the squad that the club hadn't managed to supply him with, in particular the number nine he craved for much of last season. Um, so in in some respects, again, it, it's not a great surprise that this. Uh, this has come to pass because I think uh, whereas he had a strong, strong relationship with Trevor Birch, who was a very vocal chairman and 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 liked to keep people abreast of all the news and um, keep fans on side, and maybe Julian Winter slightly, uh, you know, plays his cards slightly differently in that respect, and he's a little bit quieter on that front, and and doesn't look like maybe he had such a warm relationship with Cooper. Um, at least on the front of it, because I'm just going from Cooper's comments really on anything because Winter hasn't given us much at all. But but Cooper was quite uh, vocal at times last season on what he was missing and what he felt felt we could have done more with. Yeah, I think, I mean, the other thing is, don't forget that Trevor Birch was the man ultimately that did give Steve Cooper the job. So that you'd expect there to be a close relationship there because it's his man, whereas Winter sort of inherited him, didn't he? So 
I mean, that immediately makes you think that, you know, that the relationship may, may not be as good. Um, I mean, if you look at a few things, I mean, I, I never really remember Cooper criticising Birch. I mean, there were one or two criticisms of the club after he'd moved on. Um, you, you think of like the, the Dan James, Ollie McBurney deals. I mean, they, they were pretty good. Nobody really moaned at them, did they? But let's be honest, the Joe Roden deal wasn't very good. Um, and everyone was quite annoyed by it. And I think that probably was a bit of a black mark for, for winter, I would say. Certainly from my point of view, because I didn't think that we got anywhere near value for money. And it seemed to me as if we just accepted the first bid. Whereas I think with Birch, it did seem to be a bit harder to buy our players off us. It wasn't the case that we were saying that we're not going to sell people, but at the same time, we're not going to accept uh, derisory money, which is what I think we had for Roden. So, I mean, there was the, the criticism, wasn't there, about Christopher Peterson, a player that Cooper did sign for you know, a nominal fee, but didn't play him a great deal. Um, but obviously he was pulled from his squad, wasn't he? I think that was probably uh, his way of saying that he wasn't very happy with with the way that things were. And as you say, I mean, that, that striker was wanted, but I mean, at the same time, I think Cooper can't really say that he, he wasn't backed in a, a reasonable way. I mean, he brought in quite a lot of lone players. There was a fair few on freeze. Um, obviously, he was able to keep Andre Ayew. I'm sure maybe the, the club would have liked to have booted him out if they could have, but there's no takers. What can you do? Um, and I mean, you look at the previous manager who was really shafted, especially on the deadline days where people were booted out and nobody really came in. And I think only five players arrived in that time. And obviously, we, we look back at the, the the first transfer window there just after we'd been relegated. And we were left essentially with Mike van der Horn at centre-half. And then Joe Roden had to play because there, there physically wasn't anybody else. So I don't think this manager was dealt the type of poor cards that Graham Potter was, if I'm honest. So it's a, a tricky one. And I mean, I look at the Jamal Lowe signing, for example. I mean, 900 grand on him. Um, and we weren't playing with wide men. I mean, maybe that money could have been spent on a striker, if we're being honest. That's certainly how I look at it. I mean, I'm not knocking low, especially, but he's not a striker. So, and if you're going to play with two up front, why would you not sign a striker instead? Yeah, I always thought with Jamal Low, and I'm sure you had a similar feeling at the time, that it was more a, an opportune, opportunism signing rather than a, someone we targeted. A Wigan were cash strapped and, and selling anything that was worth anything. Um much like teams, you know, you know, raped and pillaged us when we got relegated from the Premier League and um and took everything and, and, and Jamal Lowe, you know, fairly young um exciting player that uh that that looked like an asset and, and was offered a cut price deal and, and um I, I dare say that in different circumstances we wouldn't have looked twice at Jamal Lowe and certainly Cooper perhaps wouldn't have because, you know, for as much as the work as Jamal Lowe's put in, he didn't fit. And I still believe he doesn't fit the role he's been asked to do uh, at this club. Um, like I say, he's, he's, he's not a striker. I mean, I don't think he'd ever profess to be a striker. Yeah, he spent his whole time here up front. Um, and so uh, he seemed to me to always be one that we picked up because he was available rather than someone that we actually wanted, you know? Yeah, that's uh, that's probably a fair point. But I mean, if we're being honest, we went for the wrong Wigan player. Maybe you could argue we should have gone for Kiefer Moore. Yeah, because you know we that's a proper striker, and obviously that's something that we didn't have. And you look at the two million that was spent on him by Cardiff, and I've got to say it was a bargain, really, haven't it? I mean, you could argue maybe that it wouldn't have suited us, but 
I mean, you always need different type of avenues of attack, and there's no reason why. In a... he's, good. he's good on the floor as well, more isn't he? I think he's shown that for Wales as well as Cardiff, in that uh, he's not. A... Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it was obviously a bargain, and I just don't know why you're buying wide players when you don't want to play with them. It doesn't really make a great deal of sense, does it? So, yeah, but I it could well have been an, an opportunistic uh, move based on the fact that uh, you know he was going on the cheap, but. I mean, when you've got a limited budget, they're probably not the type of uh, deals that you should be doing, if you're honest. I mean, if you want to play with wide men, it's a little bit different, isn't it? But when you don't, it's uh, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one. There was uh, there were moments, weren't there, which A hinted at the this uh, maybe the the lack of um, communication or, or love with the boardroom, and and also the moments that took the season one way or another and you look at the double signing of Paul Ariola and um and and Jordan um Morris and as as two uh, two perfect examples of that really Ariola was quite clearly nothing to do with Steve Cooper um who had little interest in in using him and and and, and then sent him back um to America and and Jordan Morris who may or may not have had uh, probably again nothing to do with Cooper um, but it, but actually looked a very useful acquisition before he uh, he cruelly uh, his season come to an abrupt end just as he was getting into his stride. So I mean I dare say things would have turned out a lot differently if uh, if we'd got um if we got half a season after Jordan Morris, but um, it wasn't to be. Um, and, and and things like that, Steve. You know we we bought we brought Morgan Whitaker in. Um, again, it looked like a club signing, young player. Uh, one for the future, but spent money on him. You know, we spent money on him, and it was someone that the club um, maybe look at. They think we've got to bring him in because he'll be worth a lot more in a few years' time. But in the immediate, could we have spent and pulled together our resources and looked for a, an answer to our current issue, which was uh, obviously getting out and out goal scorer? Well, yeah, you would have thought so, wouldn't you? I mean, I'm not knocking Whitaker like in general. I think maybe you'll, you'll come good, but you know. I'm not massive on short-termism in football, but when you have like that last chance, really, before the parachutes end to get in the Prem, and you're looking at a striker for a couple of million, I mean, you really should be trying to do it if if possible. I mean, you look at, I think Cody Woodrow was the one that was wanted, speculated, and it would have been about two to two and a half million. Now, I mean, if you take that low money off the table and you take the Whitaker money off the table, then we're not far like short of it, are we? Yeah. So, and we were just to con- put context to, to, to someone who may be listening who perhaps didn't follow the Swans that closely last season. We were at one point two points off the top of the league with a game in hand. So, it, you know, it was in our it was in our destiny at one point um, before it all collapsed, really. And 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 there'll be fingers pointed all over the place as to why that happened. Yeah, exactly. Um... You know, we, we did have a big chance, really, there, didn't we? And we could have... That one player would have made the difference, I, I would have thought. Um, but certainly would have won us more points. So, you know, we, we do have to look at that with frustration. And, I mean, as you say, I mean, the likes of Ariola clearly wasn't a, a Cooper signing. I mean, if we'd, we'd not done that, for example, that would have been freed up more wages, wouldn't it? Or and Jordan Morris maybe was more for Cooper, but obviously it, it didn't work out. That's one of those things. Injuries happen, unfortunately. Um, but... You know, we've got to look at the January signings that we made in general. I mean, Hurahan obviously didn't do too badly, but didn't have the impact that we were looking for. 
And then you look at, obviously, Freeman came in. He, he barely played, did he? Hamer. I don't know if there was anybody else, but you'd have to say that basically our January business was a waste of time. So yeah. if, if we, could have, we could have saved a fair bit there, maybe just brought in Hurahan and brought in a striker, and we probably would have been looking at the same financial terms. And so I think that's what's frustrating. We we didn't manage it very well, did we? And I think it should have been obvious, really, that a striker could have um, could have made a difference. Um, but we didn't do it, and I suppose it, it contributed to uh, us not going up in the end. I did with the Horahan thing, because I was absolutely certain that he would be the difference. And, and on the face of it, you know, they provided the, 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 the squad with Jordan Morris, Conor Horahan, and I said, right, you've now got someone who should be able to create, particularly at this level, and you've got um, you've got a, someone who can stick it in the back of the net as well, or at least we hoped he could. Um, and, and those are the two things we were looking to, 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 you know, to sort out. Our midfield was desperately lacking that sort of creativity, and, uh, and as we talked about the number nine situation, um, like now they're really happening. Hurahan, I'll go perhaps a little bit harsher than you, and, and I'd say he probably was a flop on the on the on the on the whole. Um, he was uh, he just he was more of a player who was great than YouTube highlight reels, really, isn't he? He could produce moments of magic, but go missing for so long in a game. He didn't impose himself. He was a passenger and uh, didn't get stuck in. Um, so yeah, I, I was gutted because I genuinely thought he could be. He was a he was a level above this and uh, proved not to be the case unfortunately um but enough about the transfer business we have to look a little bit further ahead now and uh, look at where that leaves our um our current coaching setup really steve because all we've heard about is cooper going um and with him came mike marsh and uh, and martin margotson and um what happens with them do, do, do you think they stay or do you think they go with i mean this it is an interesting question, really. I mean, as as things stand, I mean, why would they may, maybe want to go if there's an option to stay? Because obviously Cooper has left, but he hasn't got another job, has he? So the others could be putting themselves out of work. And you, you just don't know, do you? I mean, Mike Marsh has worked at a few places. Obviously, he has worked with Cooper with the England under-17s, and I think he's been a coach at Liverpool before, hasn't he? I think he was at Huddersfield a couple of years back. So... As much as obviously he is Cooper's right hand man in the last two jobs, he has worked with other people. So is it may not be that, you know, they, they come as this package. You get some people, don't you, where you know they they always work with the same people. I mean, you look at I remember when Brian Flynn came here, I think it was obvious that Kevin Reeves was gonna come come with him, for example. Harry Redknapp has always got his you know, his Joe Jordans and, and people like that, isn't he, there with him. So you know, whether it's like that or not, I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's probably more likely to leave than maybe a Margotson. I think Margotson has had, again, quite a few clubs. I think he's worked with Cardiff previously, hasn't he? Obviously, he's worked with Wales. He's with the England setup at the moment. He's worked with Sam Aldice, I think, at, um, at Crystal Palace and at uh, Everton. So, you know, it's it's a difficult one to, to say. I mean, if Cooper's walking into another job, there's always a chance he'll take people with him. But, I mean, as things stand, I mean, if the next manager is happy to work with these people, then I don't really know why they'd uh, look to go. Although, obviously, once Cooper does get another job, which I'm sure will happen at some point, then you may well see them going with him then. But, um, I mean, as things stand, I think there's there's a reasonable chance they'll stay unless the next manager doesn't want them. 
Yeah, well, of course, there's two sides to that story. As you just pointed out, the new manager, whoever he may be, um, may wish to bring in his own backroom team, which, again, is yeah. not uncommon at all. And may um, see that uh, we do change uh, Margenson and uh, Marsh. I think Margenson in particular um, is someone who is uh, widely credited, um, Steve, with uh, some of the defensive work we took in last season, the set pieces in particular. Um and and so um, I can't speak, you know, massively around Mike Marsh's uh, impact and stuff. But certainly, we can see on the on the on the pitch the work that Margotson did um, would absolutely be an asset to any future coaching team going forward. So maybe if there's hope for that to continue, then uh, hopefully we can get that done um, on the pitch. Then, of course, this season is still. Uh, to come upon us and the transfer window and they're starting to get some comings and goings around the country now and whether that sees a couple of uh, Swans players um, heading through the exit door. There's obviously the uh, the spectre, if you like, now of the the lack of parachute payments, um, which we were dreading because now it's the um, the family silver again needs to be looked at and what we can, you know, raise funds with. And uh, that's a you know, a very small pool now, isn't it? We've got rid of most of the things that have any value, uh, uh, certainly in the short term. So we're probably looking at about two players, aren't we? We're looking at the likes of um, Connor Roberts, who, of course, now is injured, so that might save us. And uh, and Matt Grimes, who, you know, from certain people around, expect to to be one that, that might leave in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I mean, um, I think with Roberts, the fact that he is injured for, for quite a while, that may well count against him, really. So, I think he's probably the more likely one to stay. I mean, Grimes, we, we don't know who's interested, do we? But, I mean, we've got to be realistic here. With both players have got a year left on their contracts. If we can't get them to put pen to paper, then we need to look at what we're going to do. Um, I mean, I'm not saying we should take, you know, a real derisory offer unless we absolutely have to, but... I mean, if we're getting offers of four or five million, we might just have to go, okay, it's not great. It's not awful. We're just going to have to take it. Uh, I know that's not exactly what people want to hear, but we've got to make sure that our finances are in order. So, yeah, it, it is what it is, really. And if, we've, um, if there's an opportunity to make money uh, rather than losing people for free, then we probably have to go down that route um, if that's the option. Which is... Typical, really, because um, I feel like Graham's had a fabulous season for us under under Potter and um, manager who would get a similar playing back to that sort of style of football again would would certainly bring the best out of uh, out of the captain. But um, that's football, really, isn't it? Maybe the as we suspected throughout last season, maybe last year was our best chance for a couple of years to get back um, to the Premier League and. Uh, now we probably ask the same question as we asked on the eve of the first season in the Championship, which is, um, do we want to bounce straight back to the Premier League or do we want to get back to playing um, football that we enjoyed? And, um, and my answer remains the same as it was was a few years ago, Steve, which is, let's get back to playing football. Because I think if we if we get fo- play football the right way, then... Should we return to the Premier League, we can um, build on it and we can survive. I don't think anyone could say with a straight face 
that we would have survived in the Premier League had we beaten Brentford at Wembley and Cooper had stayed. Uh, I think we would have been in for a hiding, <laughs> to be quite honest. And um, and yes, it would have been fabulous for the club's future and the finances, and that's why I wanted us to win. And 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 I wanted us to get to the Premier League because I think financially it would have sorted us out for another for a generation if we you know managed it well. But um, yeah, you know it wasn't to be, and we need to look at what we can take from that now and 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 say maybe um, let's get back playing football and make sure that next time we do return to the Premier League, we we make sure that we have another crack at it like we did under Rogers. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's different now, isn't it, in terms of obviously our finances are, are not great, but you know, the parachutes have run off out. So in theory now, next year, we won't take another hit. So we just need to try and be self-sustainable, really. I, mean, I think we've got to accept that we probably missed our chance to, to go back up now. So the aim really should be to be self-sustainable, to play the Swansea way and to bring through youngsters. They're the three things that I'm sort of looking for and then anything else is um is a bonus really so i mean if we we know that the success we've had with adopting a certain philosophy and i think we steve cooper did move us away from it so the next manager needs to bring us back to it so i mean if we if we do that then you know we can look to progress is, is the way of uh, looking at it, it might be small steps it, it can take time can't it i mean look at as you said earlier under the under graham potter i mean at the end of that season especially we were on a bit of a roll weren't we? especially in the the home games but it can you know it can take time i mean martinez he was pretty quick in the reaction but remember in his first full season in charge it wasn't until about the october time that we really um picked up steam and then went on that run that um that got us towards the top of the division and, and ultimately won us promotion so you know, it can take time to, to improve things. And, and like I say, you don't always get the results that, that reflect it overnight. But what we'd be looking for is the, the positive signs of the way that we're trying to play and then, you know, trying to cut out the mistakes that uh, that will come with it. But, um, you know, that's definitely how we, we should look at it. We, we need to get back to playing uh, good football again because, let's be honest, I don't think a lot of our fans, once they've uh, finally returned this season now, are going to be very happy if we're serving up what we were watching last season because it was uh, not the easiest to watch. No, and I think my 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 gripe. Oh gosh, my my issue perhaps is that um, we've got the fans who will say, and and some ex players as well that will say that it's a results business and it's a valid argument. You know, at the end of the day, you don't win anything for just being pretty on the eye. You have to actually do something with it. And I do understand that and appreciate that. Um, but let's look at history. We don't have to go back, far back in history. Um, Gary Monk got us our highest ever finish in the Premier League and our highest ever points total. Um, but now, 85% of the Swans fan base acknowledge that his appointment was the wrong one. So if it's a results-based business, then you say that Gary Monk was the best thing that's happened to this club in 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 30 plus years. But if you if you say it's not, and you say actually what happened by getting us that high was our footballing philosophies were eroded, then can people not see the the, the parallels here, Cooper got us as close as we could to the Premier League, but the footballing philosophies that were instilled by the previous regime have been eroded again. And and those same people who were singing Cooper's praises, saying how 
brilliant it was that we were winning these games with whilst only having 32% possession um, will be the same ones that once we inevitably that you know that fortune ebbs away and we end up falling away down the league will be the ones calling for his head. But at that point, then we, you know, we're you know we're, we're struggling. Then we're we're, we're we're drowning if you like. And um, this perhaps I felt like was the right time, or this summer at least was the right timing to to part ways. I I can't understand why the same people who think that Gary Monk was a bad appointment for us like Steve Cooper and wanted him to stay because to me those are they're very similar things they both had great success but at the cost of football Steve yeah but I mean it just depends what your your outlook is I mean there's, there's some people that are only you know bothered by results or should I say results will will cloud everything and then there's suppose there's others that look at the bigger picture and then there's there's people that want to see good football no matter what so you know I think we're we lean towards the good football, but there is, you know, a degree of realism that, you know, it is results-based business as well. I mean, you can't just play all this football and, and be down the bottom either. So, I mean, there's a balance in there. I mean, but yeah. you are right. I mean, look at that monk season. There were some some good performances, but there were a lot of smash and grab uh, one nils. And then if you look at the next season, um, obviously it, it did catch up with us, didn't it? And um, obviously the manager found himself out of a job. So it's. Yeah, I, I think when you, you look at it, I mean, there's a great interview from Angel Rangel a little while back, wasn't there? And he was saying about how we, rather than look, a team that looked to be on the possession and to dominate games, we became a team that were more firefighting. And when you do that, yeah, you might get away with it for a bit. But in the end, it tends to, to catch up with you. And, um, you know, I think it would have been more challenging this season for Steve Cooper, uh, I must admit, because we obviously would have a weaker side. And you've got to think as well that the amount of sort of one nils where we rolled our luck and you, you can't keep getting away with that all the time so we could have easily ended up struggling and then if the football's not good and you're not getting results in general you tend to get a lot of criticism and it can often end with the sack so you know I think that we, we definitely need to get back to playing what we know is the Swansea way trying to dominate possession creating chances scoring goals rather than this team that sits back, frustrates the opposition and nicks a goal, really. Yeah, yeah. And I do buy, obviously, people will have different philosophies. My confusion is when when it's the same people that acknowledge Monk being a mistake as the ones that are singing Cooper's praises. That That is a conflict in my eyes. But um, going on to that, really, Steve, is the feeling from Swans fans. Um there is a mixed bag. I've not known a manager in recent times, Steve, that has split the fan base quite as much as Steve Cooper has. And it does come back to what we were just talking about. It's style versus substance. And it has really created, to an extent, some ill feeling between Swans fans. It really has, because there's been a, a quite a toxic division um, between them. And, and, and I, I acknowledge my own part in that and and and, and others too will who have probably locked horns with me over the last couple of years uh, will 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 feel it that that there was been something that was just wasn't feeling that he ever really won over the fan base and there are some that will look at it and say what are we doing we finished in the playoff semi-finals then we finished in the playoff final and now we're getting rid of the bloke uh, and and people will not understand and I and I appreciate that um, because from the outside looking in you're bonkers but at the same time um, you talk about us going back to the stadium I remember when we were in the stadium last just before Covid 
and it wasn't great. It really wasn't great. And it was a lot of disinterest and mumbles and grumbles in the stand then. And people were just getting fed up with watching it. And, and you know, and yes, okay, they were, that middle of that season was quite a terrible one for us. I remember we were awful before COVID. And then we had the bounce back, of course, during lockdown, uh, in which we um, we came back and we, we made a surge for playoffs. But still, um, fans weren't enjoying the football. So... It's interesting to see how, how much his, his um, mutual termination has, again, uh, divided the fan base. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, this can happen, really, can't it? I mean, as, as, as I keep going back to it, it is the style over substance thing, isn't it? Of, you know, what, what do people ultimately want? And it does seem harsh when you've had two playoff finishes, you know, to not be fussed on someone, but... I think down here, ever since the Martinez days, especially, we like a certain brand of football. And if you're not playing it, then you're never going to be universally loved, are you? I mean, I look at Kenny Jack, the manager before Martinez, and you have to say he had great success. He took us up. And then there was the couple of cup final wins. There was obviously where we play our final. We lost the penalty shootout. We could have had back to back promotions. And, you know, only John Toshak has has ever done that for us once. So, but again, he wasn't. And you dare say, even, even in that, I mean, to be critical of um, Jacket never really unifying the fan base, but he perhaps had one of the most exciting Swans teams of a generation. And and, and in his credit, he built that team, you know? Yeah, he did. Um, there was there were definitely spells where I think he was very popular, but I think there was always this nagging doubt maybe about him that he was one of them that he didn't really want to play this nice football in an ideal world. Obviously, we, there was rumours he wanted to get rid of Trundle, wasn't there? And then Martinez got binned at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in fact, he backed down and decided to change it. But it, it was almost a bit like that wasn't his true belief. He was doing it because he felt maybe that he had to. So, but you know, not every manager is going to be universally popular or or loved. It's it's one of those things, really, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and and it'll continue until the new manager comes in and um, and we start seeing results or lack of results because. You can be sure that that you know the wonder of hindsight will take take uh, take its place in the next couple of months when um, if if uh, the new manager comes in and we're playing lovely football and we're towards the top half of the league, uh, there'll be a lot of people saying "I told you so" about um, Cooper going being good for the club and 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 likewise if it doesn't start very well, there'll be those saying "Be careful what you wish for," um, which again you know. <laughs> You know that's that's football for you, isn't it? Everyone's a pub manager, and you know I don't discount myself from that. Um, so are we looking at who it could be, Steve? I mean, it looks done and dusted, but you can never say never with football. And uh, but for all the reports and the talk coming out of the media at the moment, it looks like QPR assistant John Eustace uh, is um, is the favourite and and is ready to sign on. He would have been in place for. Um, well, initially it looked like he could have been in place for today's pre-season friendly, which has since been called off, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, then it was going to be Monday, if indeed he does get the job. Um, he was manager of Kidderminster, non-league. He was caretaker manager for a little bit at QPR. In fact, uh, QPR stuffed us 4-0 while he was caretaker manager. Steve, he's had a little bit of management experience. He's still a little bit of an unknown quantity. But the talk is he likes to play football the right way. I know we heard that before with Cooper, but we've got to believe that um, 
that 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 there are there are managers out there that will want to play football and make sure that um, you know they're doing it the right way. And and he sounds like again, he sounds like he's one of those. Yeah, I mean, there's been various reports, isn't there, but his time with Kidderminster that they with the Barcelona of non-league. So, I mean, that that's encouraging stuff. I mean, I think when when it's other people are saying that they play this nice brand of football, then you should always be a lot more encouraged because they're gonna. I think they're probably going to be a, a little bit more honest if we're, you know, from our point of view, how many other people before Steve Cooper said that they did play this lovely football? Because I don't remember uh, hearing it. So, you know, obviously that was with Kidderminster. We are talking quite a lot lower down, but it, it does always give, you know, show the argument that for me, that when people say that you can't play football at a certain level, well, you can. It's just if you want to or not. I mean, you never did it, didn't he? Barrow took them up and now he's at Bolton and he's taken them up. I mean, you. You can play nice football at whatever level if if that's what the way that you do you want to play. And I think a kid admits that they did make the playoffs. They ultimately didn't go up, but obviously they you know they, they did have success uh, with it, didn't they? And obviously he's been a QPR now for the last two or three years, building on experience. And I mean, I look at you know we played QPR, didn't we? Close to the end of last season, though. I know he wasn't the the manager, but we're being honest, they gave us a bit of idea. It was a smashing grab there, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean they they got the goal late on, but. I remember thinking at the time that like how deserved it was because we really didn't play very well. And um, I mean, I think the game we played them on Boxing Day away. I mean, they were the better side, and we sort of nicked a, a goal on half time. And then that's the one I'm talking about. Sorry, that was the one I was talking about. Honestly, because right. they were yeah. certainly the better team in that Boxing Day game. Yeah, they were. I mean, it's just that they obviously we got a bit lucky with scoring on half time, didn't we? And then we nicked the second in the second half because they made a defensive mistake, one two nil, but for forty minutes. They were by far the better team. And I mean, the, the other game that I was originally talking about, they, where they had the late winner at our place, yeah. they, they battered us. So I I think, I'm don't get me wrong, it's not one of them that sounds incredibly exciting, is it? But I mean, a lot of the good Swansea managers that have been appointed are, have been like that, haven't they? So, you know, he does sound like someone that wants to play the way that we want football to be played. So, yeah, I'm I'm quietly encouraged by it. I think we'll we'll have to see how it goes, really, won't we? I mean, as I said, coming in in these circumstances isn't great. It could be a slow start, but yeah, I, I I'm hopeful on uh, on John Eustace. I think it's uh, it's a decent one, a bit left field, and um, yeah, hopefully we'll um, it'll be a good appointment. Yeah, and it, I suppose this will show us again, uh, show us a little bit about the chairman as well, Steve um, Julian Winter, um, because it's the first real decision he's had to make as a chairman for us he's had to you know oversee some you know comings and goings and um most recently the cooper situation but uh in terms of appointing managers um we've been a bit spoiled well very spoiled really over the last 15 plus years or so um with, with when we had like hugh jenkins as chairman he would uh invariably pick the right man even though at the time you'd have fans, you know, scratching their heads and, you know, screaming blue murder kind of thing about how terrible that appointment will be. It was almost always right, wasn't it? He got it right almost every time. And I thought we'd like to see that Julian Winter is of that same ilk in that he wants the manager to come in and be uh, of a certain type. Um, and uh, hopefully, as you say, we're hearing good things about John Eustace. And if he is appointed... Um, then there are a couple of other names. Is there anyone else that perhaps on the outskirts? I know I mentioned briefly Michael Appleton, and we, you know, we wish him uh, all the best in his, his his fight against cancer, and and hopefully he'll be back in football uh, soon. 
um, hadn't beaten it. Uh, he was certainly one that's been interesting to the Swans over the last few managerial appointments, really. And um, and the, and a couple of others as well, Steve, that just just skirt the surface. I know um, a certain uh, MK Don's manager, uh, Russell Martin, has been one that we've spoken about previously. Um, again, they're of a certain ilk, aren't they? Um, uh, managers that like to play football and like to entertain. Yeah, they are. I mean, I echo what you said about Michael Appleton. I, I wish him well. It, it did sound like there may have been admirers in our ballroom, but obviously he's got far bigger priorities uh, right now, I think. So that's completely understandable. He, but he may have been someone that interested us. Um, yeah, I mean, Russell Martin was a third favourite or something, is he? But I mean, John Eustace is about one to ten. So when yeah. you're second or third favourite, it's a bit pointless in there at that stage. But yeah, I can understand why he was in the thinking. Um, I'm quite encouraged that he was. That indicates that he wanted to go for a football man. Um, I think Cameron Toshak, obviously his name was mentioned. Like, that's not a huge surprise, although I think if if he was going to get the job, it would have been when um, when Cooper had it. Um, obviously Tate was mentioned. He wanted it before, didn't he? And it, you know, I wouldn't have been at all surprised if he's let it be known that he'd be interested this time. But um, I mean, it, it does seem like John Eustace. They decided pretty early on, really, that. Uh, that he's the person that they want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, early days, and then certainly without the manager at the moment, this is uh, this is uh, preempting it really. But uh, if it is uh, a footballing manager, if it is John Eustace, does he have the resources uh, to get us top half next season? Do you hope for um, or expect a positive season, or is next season just about licking our wounds and making sure that we are? Um, we, we put ourselves back together as a club in, in, in readiness for uh, seasons to come. I mean, it's, it's tough to say, really, isn't it? I mean, you, I mean we're all probably hoping for mid-table. I mean, I, I would take that, if I'm honest. I think that would be a, a solid season. I mean, you, you look at it now, I just think you still need players. I mean, for me, there's a lack of creativity and a lack of pace in this team. Like, we, we urgently need to look at that. I mean, I think we will bring a couple more players in. I mean, and there haven't really been many loans of there this time, which I mean there have been quite a few of since we uh since obviously we were relegated, especially under Steve Cooper. So we should be looking at that really. I mean, they're, they're the two things I think that we're we're lacking. I mean, obviously we complained about the lack of uh, of strikers uh last season, then we've but obviously Cullen now is a little bit older. We've got Joel Puro and um and Kyle Joseph. I mean, I'm assuming we're striker wise we're probably okay now, aren't we? So I mean, you could argue maybe that without Gray, you need another centre-half, I think. Although I think if we're not going to play with a back three, then we probably don't. Um, Goalkeeper-wise, I guess, if Bender's going to be the number one, I mean, that's, you know, it's a slight gamble, but, I mean, it's it sort of is now or never for him if he's not going to play now. I mean, he, he certainly would need at least another loan spell. You don't want him being on the bench. So, yeah, I think it's the it's the creativity and pace that we need. So I, I'd probably like to see a number 10 come in and another wide player. Um, that's what we should be looking for. I think if we do that, then you know things will be looking up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I just mentioned uh, ten minutes ago, uh, today's game is being called off against Bristol Rovers. Um, there's COVID in the Swans camp, uh, sounds of things, um, and that has ongoing repercussions. Steve, doesn't it? I mean, that doesn't just mean that today's pre-season friendly when they build fitness and uh, tactics on. Um, is uh, is off the cards and off the table rather is um, also repercussions for 
the remaining um, pre-season fixtures as well, in particular the midweek game against Forest Green. And um, and we all talk about pre-season results not being important, but I don't think anyone ever says pre-season games in their entirety are unimportant because, of course, match fitness, you want to go into the first game of the season is ra- raring to go. And um, without those games under your belt, you can sometimes... Uh, be a little bit slow off out of the block. So um, it'll be a bit of a blow to the Swans this. And uh, on top of everything else that's going on, we something we could have done without. Yeah, it's not ideal, is it? And you think like the Swindon game was called off as well, wasn't it, for other reasons? So, I mean, so we've only, we've only played one of our scheduled three pre-season games right now, haven't we? And obviously there's no guarantees on the next couple at this stage. So, yeah, it's, it's not been great, is it? I mean, it's... What, what can you do, I suppose, is the way of looking at it. But it's... I mean, it's not ideal. I mean, we, we wish whoever's tested positive well, and I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, but, I mean, we don't know how many have tested positive or the impact that'll have now in terms of isolation. Obviously, now the, the new manager may well now only be able to meet um, some of those players just before the, the opening game of the season. So, I mean, it, it does make things tricky, doesn't it? There's there's no two ways on that. Um, but I guess we've just got to get on with it. What, what else can you say, really? It's... Uh, it's just something we've got to deal with. It is. It is. Um, yeah, well, that's just about it from us. I think we got, um, we'll have more news in the coming weeks, no doubt, with the appointment of a manager. And um, we will certainly do a uh, podcast on the eve of the season just to uh, get you uh, up to speed and uh, all excited for the, uh, the term ahead. But uh, absolutely, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for Swans fans. There'll be comings, there'll be goings. There'll be a new management and maybe even new management team in place. And uh, who knows? One thing's for sure, it's never boring being a Swans fan. Well, thanks for listening. And from myself and Steve, bye-bye.